speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Epistles from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I can remember many years ago that a local optometrist, an eye doctor, and his wife were looking to get back into the church as their kids were getting a bit older, wanting to put them into Sunday school and eventually confirmation and so forth. But here was the catch. This family, let's call them the Johnsons. They were movers and shakers in the community. And so when the Johnsons came to the church that I was serving, they immediately had a small chip on their shoulder. Not a big one, but a small one. Though they never said it, they felt that they had something to offer to the church. Indeed, that the church would be lucky to have them. I can remember that first Sunday when they came to the church, when they showed up, they were actually a bit surprised when the members of the church did not roll out the red carpet for them. Furthermore, I can remember, I can remember just like yesterday, a lady named Susie, well, she cornered them before the service. Susie, she was a gem. She was salt of the earth, simple and plain. However, the Johnsons did not appreciate, they did not, yeah, they did not appreciate Susie's simpleness and her taking up the precious time that they could have been using to socially impress the other people of the church. And so it was quite obvious that the Johnsons wanted to work themselves out of that conversation. Well, needless to say, the Johnsons did not come back the following week or the week after that. The reason why, well, they did not feel extra special. They did not feel like a cut above the rest in the church. Furthermore, they did not want to be associated with people like Susie. Though it may sound harsh, I was actually glad that they did not come back the following Sunday with their wretched boastfulness. That is the kind of yeast in the church that leavens the whole lump. You see, it is so easy for you and me, all of us, to get wrapped up into the mindset of the Johnsons, thinking somehow that we're better than those around us. It is so easy for us to think that God has chosen us to be a part of his church on the basis of our skills, maybe our power, our influence, and perhaps nobility. 
And tragically, what makes things even worse is that we actually distance ourselves from people whom we deem to be lesser than us. In fact, we even get angry. We get downright angry and upset, frustrated when the Lord's favor is given to them. Indeed, our legalistic heart is exposed when the favor of God is given to people that we believe are unworthy of God's favor because they have neither earned it nor deserve it. Now, dear friends, despite our legalistic hearts, God deliberately chooses men and women. Get this, he deliberately chooses men and women that culture overlooks to expose the hollow, pretentious hearts of the world. Indeed. That is to say, in the reading from the epistle of 1 Corinthians, we hear Paul tell us that God makes it quite clear that you and I cannot blow our horns before God Almighty. You see, your wisdom, your skill, your power, your influence, your nobility have, get this, nothing to do with you being a Christian and belonging to the church. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul talks about this very same thing. He states that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. None of these categories contribute to being justified in the eyes of God. But isn't this the exact opposite of how the world thinks? How the world itself works? Isn't this what we've covered so far? Isn't this the exact opposite of how we actually think in our minds? You see, all of us have a certain expectation of those around us. We certainly do. In other words, every single one of us has a certain criteria that we use and that we expect of other people, how people should perhaps act and how they should talk, how they should dress, and how they should think and how they should believe. Indeed, how they should believe. And so when people meet these expectations in our mind, well, we approve of them. And we're not offended if they advance in society. In other words, if a person fulfills our demands and pursues what we value in life, we accept them, we embrace them, we want to be around them, and we even will cheer them on if they advance in life. However, as previously mentioned, what we cannot tolerate is when good things happen to people who do not meet up to our own expectations, our own criteria, if you will, When good things happen to people we do not accept, well, it drives us nuts, it agitates us, causes us to stumble. But consider the epistle reading from 1 Corinthians yet again. Paul actually says to us this morning that he does not see many of the brightest and the best in the city of Corinth's church, the Corinthian church. In other words, he does not see the brightest and the best of the city of Corinth in that local church of Corinth at that time. In fact, not many people of that church of Corinth were really of high society families. Frankly, we could say it this way. The church of Corinth consisted of the kind of people that the culture itself would overlook, exploit, and even abuse. The Christians in the church in Corinth were nobodies in culture. And yet God, he chose them. He chose these men and women to be his children. God did not create the church of Corinth on the basis of the wisest, the most influential, the most popular, the most famous, and the noblest. Now, dear friends, let me fill you in on a difficult truth. You ready for this? Tough to hear. 
you and I, yes, you and I, are just like those Christians in Corinth and that Corinthian church. For example, look at yourselves for a moment. Who of us here in this sanctuary, who of us here in this sanctuary are the brightest and the best of culture? Who of us is a great mover and shaker of the world itself? Who among you are royalty? Isn't it obvious that you and I are nothing more than men and women that are overlooked by the grand scheme of life itself, the grand scheme of things? Now, as we hear this, there's perhaps a part of us that protests as we hear this. Part of us protests saying, but I am special. I'm somebody. Look at what I've done. We can protest from deep within the caverns of our old Adam, our sinful nature. Dear friends, please do not let pride blind you this morning. Consider this for a moment. Let's just say that you become the wisest and the smartest, the most popular and the most famous person in the Minot area. In other words, you are the most popular, influential, the man of the year for Minot. In other words, you are the best person in this area of 50,000 people. Congratulations. You are the best person in one city among the other 20,000 cities in America. And so being somebody in mind, it still makes you a nobody in America itself. But let's just say, for instance, that you're the best person in the United States. Well, that still makes you, get this, this still makes you the best person among the other 7.5 billion people in the world itself. And just in case, just in case the old Adam, the sinful nature, is still trying to think that it is something special, still protesting against this, consider history. Who will even remember you in 50 years from now? Hardly anyone. Historians, they tell us that in every generation, get this, only one in 10,000 people achieve some degree of world fame. One in 10,000, which is one hundredth of one percent. And so, frankly stated, none of us are the brightest or the best which brings up the embarrassing question of this, why do we try so hard to be somebody when we are never anything at all? So, what is the point that the Apostle Paul is making to you and me? It's quite simple. God chooses what the world considers nonsense and weak and ordinary to not only shame but also destroy all pretentious thinking and inflated pride. He does this so that the only thing that one can boast about is Christ. Remember, my friends, that God chose a slave nation to bring forth the Messiah. Not mighty Egypt, not mighty Assyria, not mighty Babylon or the Persians or the Romans, per se. He chose a stinky manger as well and a bloody cross to accomplish salvation not a golden throne or a mighty sword. And who can forget that big bunch of lot of fishermen and that tax collector who were chosen to equip the early church? And today, where the rubber meets the road, he chooses you. He chooses you as poor, miserable sinners. He chooses me as a poor, miserable sinner to be his very own. He chooses you. 
Dear friends, hear the good news of the gospel right now. The good news of the gospel, the goodness of the gospel is this, that God chose you in your baptism to be his very own. He chose you in baptism, not because of your skill, not because of your power, not because of your influence, not because of your wisdom or nobility. He did not even choose you because of your ethnicity or your status or your gender. And he certainly did not choose you because you are Missouri Synod or a long-standing member of this church or because of your religious heritage. No, God chose you in Christ and for Christ to be his very own so that all you can boast in is Christ who is for you, who died for you, and who claims you. Please listen. You are chosen so that everything you have, your right thinking, your right living, your clean slate, that clean conscience, all of it can come from God by the way of Christ Jesus our Lord. You are chosen by Christ and for Christ so that he can spiritually clothe you in your nakedness, feed you in your hunger, and wash away your grime as a sheer gift. He chose you and will never leave you. He chose you and will never forsake you. He chose you and he will not forget you in the grave. That is for sure. He is with you to the end of the age. I'm often reminded of the Johnsons, often reminded of the Johnsons. Well, their attitude has a way of irritating me. The fact of the matter is this, that their condition is my condition. It's your condition. And the reality of this condition should drive us to pity and repentance. The reason why? The endless boastful attitude of mankind, the need to self-promote, and the desire to rise to the top always ends in shame. The Lord will always shame the boastful, either through the trials of life or on the great last day when everything will be laid bare. And so what you, I, and the Johnsons need is this, to be continually freed from the hollow pretensions of the world and the self-important thirsting of our old Adam so that we may be captured by the glorious news that you and I are chosen by God in Christ and for Christ. This, my friends, is a sheer gift, which means that all of our boasting, all of our confidence, all of our righteousness, all of our wisdom, they rest with Christ. It is with Christ and not us. You are chosen, baptized saints, you are chosen indeed. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org The The Lord Lord bless and keep you. you.